What's up, guys? Will Witt here with Will Witt Live, episode 10. We are joined today again by Taylor. Thank you for being here, Taylor. The best duo on the planet. I don't think there are two people who are better than you and me. Shake and bake. Other than maybe Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, I think we have the title for best crossover there is. Thank you guys for joining Will Witt Live, episode 10. We got a really good episode for you guys today. I want to say first, as you can see, there are... My tags up here and PragerU's social media. If you never want to miss anything from us, please follow me on all social media, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, right up there, and PragerU on all the same, at the Will Witt and at PragerU. Also, this is a big deal, okay? PragerU is fighting for American values across this country. We're fighting to, to make this country a better place. We are fighting for freedom, okay? And to be able to continue to do that fight and to keep our videos free, to keep this podcast free, Go to PragerU.com slash donate today and donate. The month of August is actually PragerU's fundraising month. So any donations that you make, Taylor will put the link in the in the chat right now so you can see. But any donations you make this month, month will be matched. So you donate $5, $5 will be matched with that from a very generous donor of ours. So please, if you support PragerU, please consider making a donation at PragerU.com. All donations will be matched this month. It's a very big deal. I also want to give a shout out to this this girl, Sarah. Um, I don't know if she actually even watches the podcast, but she sent me this really, really nice note and, and it has uh, a Bible verse on it. So, Sarah, thank you so much for that. And then I haven't put it up yet, but Brooke's mom, uh, Brooke works at PragerU and her mom, I guess, watches the show. Big fan of the show. And she sent us unsalted butter with the Land of Lakes Indian on it. So very excited about that. We'll have to put it up next to the the salted one. Last thing before we get into it, I, it was very funny last week <laughs> when we did Craig is Pale. For all you guys uh, who tuned in last week and you typed Craig is Pale in the chat, we sent it to Craig afterwards, and it was very funny. Everyone loved it, so thank you guys for, for putting out for Craig and, and doing that. Really appreciate it. Craig is pale. Craig remains pale. Craig will always be pale. Uh, not nearly as tan as me. So you just whenever you feel like it, you know, maybe you don't know what to say in this chat. Just put Craig is pale. It'll it'll make all of our days. And remember, at the end of the show today, I am going to be taking your guys' questions. So please drop your questions down below um, so I can answer them at the end. I'll probably take about 10 minutes or so, 15, 10 minutes or so to do that and answer your guys' questions. So but today, excuse me. As you guys know, cities across America are burning. As you guys know, in Chicago, they had to raise the, the bridges so they didn't have people going downtown. New York, Portland still. I mean, everywhere is going absolutely bonkers. It's it's wild to see, and it's really frustrating, and it's really... Excuse me. Sorry. It's really frustrating, and it's really sad to see that this is what's going on in our American cities, that these people claim that they're trying to help people, that this is the that being a leftist is the right way to go about living your life. And this is how they treat their cities. This is how they treat their country, the places that they live. They go in and they destroy it. They loot the businesses. They say, oh, we're trying to protect small business and protect people so that they can live out their lives so we can have equality while they're destroying small businesses in their communities. What kind of, how is that fair in any sense of the word? It makes absolutely no sense. And so today, because of this, I talked with two people. I talked with John Doyle from the show Heck Off Common. You guys might know him. And then I talked to Elijah Schaefer. And we did a little group chat, a little group therapy session, you might say. Um, and I'm going to put that on for you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. I pre-recorded it, so um, 
you're going to have to tune in and I won't be able to look at your guys' comments and things while we do it. But uh, I'm going to start that now. And it was a great conversation. These dudes are awesome. Um, and with my guiding on the questions, they were able to do very well with their answers. So tune in, guys. Here we go with that. Talking about censorship, protests, and the future of America. And then I'll be back to take your guys' questions. What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to this interview. We got Elijah Schaefer here from Slightly Offensive with The Blaze. And we got John Doyle from Heck Off Commie. I was telling John before this that on the YouTube comments, he's like the most requested person to have on the show. What do you think about that? Me? You. I think it's pretty epic. I thought you were going to ask Elijah what he thinks. He was going to get jealous or something. Well, we know he's jealous. He's on the no, bottom I'm, part. I'm not jealous. I tell, people, <laughs> I tell people I'm the worst show on Blaze TV. I already accepted that. It, I mean, at least you take it as you know it. You don't have to play any games or lie to anyone. You already know that you're the worst. But that's why we have you on here, because this is a low-budget show on PragerU. You know, <laughs> I do all this stuff myself. So that's why we have you on. Thanks for joining us, guys. Elijah, John, do great work. You guys should make sure that you check them out on their social media handles, which is uh, on my Twitter. When I link this, you guys can check them out. But I want to talk today about all the crazy stuff that's been going on in the world right now. It's been absolutely terrifying to see what these leftist people have been doing to, to cities across America, these so-called peaceful protesters, as the left will say. I saw something today talking about these Antifa people where they were labeled as civil rights activists. That's what they're actually doing when they go and uh, loot a, a Kmart or a Walmart and go in and steal all the stuff. They're civil rights activists. So, Elijah, I know that you were actually there. Uh, I believe in Portland and some other places in Dallas too. What is some of the stuff that you saw? Are they really peaceful protesters, as they say? I mean, yeah, they are peaceful protesters. Uh, it's similar to the use of the word peaceful in the religion of peace, you know, when they were peacefully beheading Christians uh, in Syria and whatnot. Uh, these, these people sort of like reflect that and they peacefully um, assault officers. They throw bottles of pee. Um, they throw Molotov cocktails at federal agents. Uh, regularly break into Starbucks. I don't know what it is about Starbucks, but they just, I guess they, the coffee isn't that good. I agree. It's really not that good and it's overpriced, but I, I mean, I just choose not to go there. I don't break their windows. Um, but these people have a really weird definition of peace, but I'm not surprised uh, simply because they also have a weird definition of genders too. So, I mean, these people like to imagine a lot of things. Wait, hold up, John. Was that Starbucks that you were drinking right now? Was that? <laughs> Was that Starbucks that you have right now? No. Oh, I thought that was a Starbucks cup, right? As Elijah's talking about how, how no. terrible it is. So no, John jo breaks the windows. He breaks the windows of Starbucks. He's actually an infiltrator. I've seen him with his, his mask on, not six feet apart, <laughs> breaking into Starbucks. That's true. John, tell us about why you think that these people are doing this. Uh, well, I was there in Detroit when they were doing this, and I was able to talk to a few of them. I think that what the media will tell you about why they're doing it is sort of a protest against 400 years of oppression stemming back to when they first arrived um, on slave ships in 1619. And I think a lot of the Antifa types have sort of co-opted this to use that aggression uh, to fulfill a more radically left-wing agenda that I don't think that a lot of these people even know about. I think that it's both kind of like using the same energy to fulfill a cause that's being co-opted by, like you said, the Antifa people. But it was interesting too, because while I was there, uh, I'm not sure if Elijah can speak to this, but the energy is very like contagious. And so what I saw was people that were screaming, you know, ACAB and defund the police, they were all people that were actually 
in close proximity to the police so they could get like photo ops and get their picture taken for social media. But everybody else was basically just like vibing for lack of a better term. Like they were all kind of there and it was like this big sort of fun thing where as we grow up in the West in a very civilized society, we don't actually get to experience things like that quite often. So a lot of people were like coming down there just to say that they were down there. And uh, my favorite clip that I got from the footage that I, uh, I put on my channel was there was a young woman who was standing about maybe 50 yards away from the riot line and she was twerking and in one hand she had a Glock and then in another hand she had a bottle of Hennessy and then she was just like going at it and having a nice little a nice little time by herself and it was just like I can't believe that a woman like that is actually like feeling the, just the rage of her ancestors being you know channeled through her and just centuries of oppression and systemic racism and all these other things um, so I think that a lot of it just stems down to opportunism, like you said, with breaking the windows of the Starbucks stores or, or retail stores or different banks. Um, I don't think that these people are actually going down there because they want to see change. Because even if you look at it from a policy perspective, literally the worst thing you could do for the black community would be defunding police or taking police out of those communities. So it's just completely insane. She's got the WAP for systematic oppression. That's yeah. That's what's re <laughs> no, really guys, going on. Martin Luther King actually famously said that, you know, I have a dream that one day you'll be judged. Uh, by the Glock in your hand and the he Hennessy bottle in the other. It was, yeah. it was actually, it's actually one of the, the, the virtues my family lives by. I think it's yeah. really important that you said how contagious it is because I'm, I'm like a huge fan of Nietzsche. Not everything Nietzsche said, but you know, he's talking a lot about slave morality, herd morality, and like religion. He's had the famous line that God is dead. You know, we've killed him and he's not coming back. So these people, in my opinion, I mean, you can tell me what you guys think of this, but that they have gotten rid of Christianity, Christian morals within the West. And so they still have to replace that with a system of beliefs, whether that's the environmental movement, whether that's communism, or whether it's now this whole uh, anti-racism BLM movement. It's their, their religious doctrine is this, this social justice, this going against the, the capitalism and powers that be. What do you guys think about that? Is that what you're saying too? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that the, the best example of this can be seen uh, with this whole defund the police me method. So it looks um, somewhat noble, um, this idea of community policing through social workers. But what we find is that like they, these people are not actually interested in having a safer, a better society. They just want it to be a godless one of chaos. And in Seattle, specifically in Portland, um, we saw during the Chaz and the Chop Commune when they took over several city blocks, uh, specifically Antifa and Black Lives Matter, and the city didn't get involved. Well, what, what, what did we, what was going on there? Um, was it a peaceful place? No, multiple people were killed. Uh, multiple people were shot. There were fights that broke out. Um, but most importantly, they had their own police department called the John Brown Gun Club that enforced the law, enforced their laws. And so I think that we have to realize these people are not rioters really, and they're not, not even protesters. I think they're insurrectionists. Um, I know it might be like a little bold to say, but it's not just like a religious idea. I mean, this is an actual constitutional ideology. These people have come together with this idea of, of anarcho-communism, which again, sounds ridiculous, uh, but it's sort of takes the ideas of communism, but with no central dogma or leader. And they want to establish these communes in these cities and develop their own secessionary uh, governments. And then they want to just live inside of these places free with immorality and sex and drugs. And you're gonna find out a lot of these protests, people are drinking heavily, they are on, their pupils are dilated, they're completely loaded. And in these tents, I mean, there was this witch sex tent that even at, in Chaz where these people were just giving out their bodies and, and living these really licentious, lascivious acts that I probably can't 
speak on in a family friendly show, um, but all over the place. And so really what you're seeing is just a nihilistic Marxist development and communes all over the country. And it has the support of the Democrat Party. Yeah, and then you posted that video. I saw, I think PragerU is making a video out of it, actually, of the, the lady who said that we, are, we need to keep rioting, keep looting, because it's reparations for us. It is actually reparations for us to go into this Starbucks and steal the overpriced coffee. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I think that that's kind of an ad hoc uh, way to put that. I don't think that that is the reparation that really would be desired if you were to look at it from an objective policy perspective. And there's even an argument to be made that if you look at like who disproportionately funds welfare systems versus who disproportionately like withdraws from them, you could make the argument that reparations have like largely been paid already, regardless of whatever 80,000 or $50 trillion like system that we need to put in place to sort of like pay those reparations back. But also the idea of reparations in general, I think is flawed because it assumes that the problems that the black community faces stem down to like a lack of resources as though you could just like throw money at them and then they'd be able to pull themselves out. The problem is this sort of like intergenerational mentality where someone needs to be the person to like break that cycle and like resist those things. And there is an argument to be made that if you are actually put in those positions, it's going to be a lot harder for you to resist things like drug activity or gang activity. Um, but someone has to have the agency to like break that cycle, which is why defunding the police is such a terrible idea. Because if you want to bring businesses back into the community and you want the schools to be safer, and if you want people to move back and invest into the community, it has to be safer, which is like what the job of the police is. And there are things that you could do to sort of reform the police to make it the probability of them uh, displaying racism or, or bias less likely, but to just completely eliminate that and expect like social workers to be able to answer the calls of like shootings or domestic violence is just like silly and completely counterproductive. But another thing about the faith thing that I wanted to talk about. I really like what Elijah said, because it's like these people almost need it to be true, which is why I think the mistake that the right makes is thinking that we can confront them with these facts and these logic in the Washington Post database of police shootings and think that that's going to sort of like quell their cynicism about it. But Elijah was there and I was there and you can see like they're actually like crying in some cases. Like there was a video that went viral of the young woman who was talking to a police officer and she like literally started crying. And the left will take this and say, it's because she's been so traumatized by police, but it's like, they seriously like need this to be true. They have outsourced their meaning to these narratives and to these, these, these agendas. And so to even suggest that this isn't true, like actually makes them emotional because like their entire being is sort of presupposing that this is correct. And like, this is what their purpose is. I mean, like you're saying, these, the crime is going up in all of these cities where they're defunding the police in New York, in Milwaukee, in Minneapolis, in Detroit, like you said uh, before this. I mean, it is literally going up in all these places when they're defunding the police. The things that they are trying to push for, safer communities, better places for business, all of this, it is di uh, directly impacting it in the negative way, in the wrong way. What do you guys think about right now what's going on with some of these views that we're trying to put out there? I mean, PragerU, we got kind of, I wouldn't say necessarily in trouble. I was talking to John about this before the show a little bit, but just that, you know, we were talking about a certain thing that helps people. I can't even say the word because if we say the word or what it does, we're going to get kicked off our platform might be disbanded off of Facebook. We might get our account deleted if we say the word, but maybe you guys can understand what I'm getting at. I don't know if you can. Regardless, we put out some videos and we got some videos deleted. Our Twitter account got suspended and people are being censored all online right now because of putting out stuff that is different, that is a different narrative than what is the mainstream agenda. What are you guys' thoughts on, on the social media censorship right now and, and what can be done? Yeah, that's actually really easy because I know exactly what you're referring to and I was there at that event. Um, yeah, I had my last... I know, but I've had my last two podcasts uh, blocked by uh, YouTube. I've had my last one removed twice. 
the one before that was age restricted. Um, and I have had my Twitter suspended for like 48 hours in the last month. Um, I've seen massive, I've seen posts taken down Instagram warnings to get it deleted. Um, I mean, this is not just a random, you know, individual like myself, just making a video and, and getting in trouble because I said something stupid, which I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's things that these platforms really don't want you saying that could genuinely be harmful or hurtful. But what we see today is a coordinated effort. I mean, Facebook itself has CCP backed groups that are fact checking, that are going after people. And Nancy Pelosi said, you know, the Chinese Communist Party wants Biden to win. They don't want Trump to win. They, they favor him and they are fighting for global dominance. And there are powers at work that we don't even understand, uh, investment, et cetera. I mean, a lot of these companies, including Twitter, are basically owned by Middle Eastern and Chinese investors. They're not even technically American companies, kind of like cruise ships, which you know, port in the United States, but are registered in, in weird countries, They're like a Cayman, you know, Cayman Island cruise ship company, even though you think of it as being an American cruise ship company, they find loopholes these corporations do. And ultimately they care about power and money more than they care about the truth or the rights of Americans. Uh, and what we're seeing right now is for some reason, these people are absolutely against conservatives and right-leaning people. And I want to say this on your podcast, you know, the right wing is a very inclusive group. Some people like to take the monopoly and the absolute uh, and say, we're the real or we're the true or we're the absolute right wing or conservatives or this or that. But guys, this is a big fight. And if an organization the size of PragerU, I mean, come on with millions of followers, a lot of funding and a guy with that gets really expensive haircuts that has his own low budget podcast. I mean, this is a serious entity. And if they can be taken down, if they can be censored, then you realize we've got to stick together. We've got to stop infighting. We've really got to understand that ultimately we have much bigger enemies at play. And I, and I know this is a bold statement on with this, that unfortunately are more powerful right now and greater than the Republic itself, which are able to actually take down and censor the speech of the president of the United States. I mean, this is an issue that goes way far beyond commentators. And this becomes like a national security and most importantly, a global security issue. Yeah, I never really get all the conservatives who say that, you know, oh, the very conservative, like free market people who say, you know, it's a it's a free market, just create your own platform. It's like these companies control so much. Oh, is John here? He's like, oh, he's one of these people. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we can get into you in a second. Yeah. <laughs> but like they, they control so much of what we do. They control the entire narrative. Like you said, they're controlling things when it comes to voting and all of that. And it's like, these big tech companies claim to be a public platform. They claim to be a free speech forum open to all, but then they also want to be a publishing tool with editorial control, right? I mean, they get, they get stuff from the government incentives because they say that they're open to all and that they don't have political leanings, but then they go and censor people or delete accounts based off of political leanings. So they want to have their cake and eat it too at the same time. And to me, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's been something that's been hard for me to try to communicate to my audience because as conservatives, we're very skeptical of uh, state authority. And so the whole idea behind that would be that, you know, power corrupts and people are going to try and infiltrate your lives and, and take away your rights. But conservatives has a, have a very hard time of understanding that like tyrants can be private actors as well. And we're, we're so in love with the free market and capitalism as of the last like 30 years or so that we've sort of forgotten that like, it's not just the government that's going to want to make your life hard. I mean, it's anyone that has power. And so for these companies to come in and to make my life hard, and your guys' lives harder. And then for our audience who watches our content and watches our content be suppressed and downvoted the algorithms, just be like, Will, uh, why don't you just make your own YouTube? Why don't you just make your own? It's just like so silly. Yeah, it definitely is. And like, oh, what was I going to say to that? Oh, yeah. In terms of like the, I mean, crony capitalism is practically socialism in a sense where we have these politicians who are being totally paid off. They don't have our best interests at heart. I mean, there was that memo that came out with those Republicans meeting with the, the, 
the big tech people and they had a memo that said, you know, we're going to take this meeting, but we're not actually going to do anything about it. Right. It's because they're all, I mean, Google, they're all in Google's back pocket. They're all getting paid off. Republicans, Democrats, everyone, you know? So it's like, who are the people who are actually representing our values? It's like we used to talk about in America where you can pick yourself up by your bootstraps and stuff. And I still believe that's true, but I think like America's being hollowed out. Like think about a guy who graduates from college, who's our age, who wants to go start a, a carpentry company or something like that. And it's like, it's almost impossible with the amount of regulations in like a place like California, you then have a Home Depot come and just undercut them and, and steal their business. It's like, like that American dream is, is fading away because partly of private companies mixed with the government sector. It's like they're working hand in hand to destroy small business in this country. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, like, I, I think it's really interesting to see the, the section of the right sort of dismiss. Um, this lack of patriotism and nationalism in these big companies that really is genuinely screwing over our country and in giving it over to a globalist agenda. Um, and meanwhile, people are complaining. I always love this when people lecture me, they always go, you know, like, you know, you're a this or you're a that and you're not a real this and a real that. And I'm like, dude, look, man, I'm sorry. I'm too busy recovering because I broke my leg uh, after getting shot point blank by a flashbang or tear gas canister. I don't know what it was because it knocked me out and broke open my shin and I'm like, can't run or walk. Like, I'm sorry, I'm too busy on the front lines actually fighting these people and putting my reputation and my life on the risk to sit back and argue with children uh, or libertarians about how, you know, it's just, a, it's just a platform. No, these are not just, these are not just platforms and, and, and whatnot. This is the, the, the town square. This is where our country comes together to share information. Just like the stock market needs regulation and there has to be control because if it's not, then you could crash the entire country. In fact, the entire global world market, which we saw in 2007 and 2008, when, when these people are let free, they're corrupted by their own evil desires and by their lust for money that they start working against the American people. As Americans, just like we like the economy, the economy has to work for us, not against us. And communication and businesses can't work against us. And when our society has been corrupted into, we're living in fear now, we have cancel culture, all of these things because of the development of social media and the absolute prowess and power they have. And then the only balance that could come is dissenting voices, but then dissenting voices aren't even given a platform and we are shut down and shut out. It's like, you have to realize at a certain point it's like you got to start defending your country and the people of your country more than the companies themselves because these companies are not working in conjunction for your nation and libertarianism doesn't work for that reason i mean i'm not going to offend people for that but it's like you can't people offensive apparently eat no people are slightly evil, but there's a moral element to this people do there are evil people out there and they are they're saying well i am a company well yeah but if you're evil just like we hold criminals accountable white collar crime exists too and what we're seeing with tech companies is the most sophisticated and highest level of white collar crime that we've ever experienced in our country yeah a lot of libertarians well i think the biggest problem with libertarian economics specifically is it divorces itself entirely from morality so like a libertarian will tell you that a 15 year old girl selling pictures of her body on OnlyFans is okay because you know it's a transaction it's the free markets consent-based morality she should be free to do that and uh, I, I think that this idea that the narratives that are being bought and paid for by these mega corporations that convince average Americans, maybe not necessarily you coastal elitists, but a Midwest boy like myself, that uh, they actually have your best interest at heart, that the CCP has your best interest at heart, or even that uh, Amazon and Jeff Bezos have your best interest at heart compared to like small business and mom and pop shops that are like drastically, as Will said, undercut by these types of actors. I, I want to talk about real quick, because sorry to cut you off, but we're going into the, the final segment. I do have a, a show where, where I also will be talking in this show later on. <laughs> 
Won't be but, tuning uh, in for that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part of the show. Okay. I get to talk about my hair and Aunt Jemima on the wall and things like that. But I talked in about about three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago in a podcast, and it, it got a lot of traction and it's been, it's been real, going really well, is that I was talking about a vision for America that you look at the left right now and the left, you know, in 10 years, they want to get rid of fossil fuels. In 10 years, they want to have the police defund. In 10 years, they want, you know, everyone, trans people, black people, everyone have the same rights, even though they already do. But you know, you know what I'm saying? Like they have this plan that is set out for young people right now that they get behind. They're like, wow, like, of course, I graduated from college. I can't get a job or I'm in tons of debt. And this plan sounds great for me. Of course, I'm going to join this. The conservative platform, whatever that might be, doesn't have a plan. So I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot to solve America's problems right now. But if you had to give you know, a, a thing or a few things of like what you would see as like a plan for conservatives moving forward that can be like tangible solutions to help people's lives and, and, and actually get people on board with what we're doing, what would you say is some of the main tenets of that. Nice. <laughs> I was going to give it to, I was, he didn't no, speak go. a lot. I was trying to be nice. No, I'm going to give it to him. Yeah, I spoke more, so I, you go. That's, that's a nice way of saying that you don't have your answer prepared. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I think that a lot of what <laughs> I told you I'm bad have, at this. <laughs> I think that a lot of the mistakes that conservatives have made have been sort of like trying to sell the idea that living in a completely free society where you are an autonomous agent to go and do whatever it is that you will, will produce the best outcome for you. Um, and I think that that idea has basically failed to sort of cement itself and that a lot of people have felt disaffected and they might be more inclined to pay attention to like what the left is offering with like basically state enforced equality. So I think that conservatives need to sort of like understand what we're actually trying to conserve, which is like American society. And so if we started selling ideas like you should be able to graduate from high school and go get a job, maybe not even go to college, but if you do pursue a college degree, then you should be able to go do that without having to pay you know, $80,000 for a degree. And the way you would do that would be reconfigure, reconfiguring the loan industry and getting government out of certain aspects of that. Um, but even like the idea of the American dream should really just be like sort of reconfigured and, and actualized in 21st century America, because we haven't really had that as our manufacturing has completely disappeared and all of these jobs have so supposedly transitioned into the information economy. It's very hard for like a young American to kind of look at the future and be optimistic in a way that would exist independently from something that the left is offering where it's like, okay, well, the right is basically saying you're on your own, you're screwed. The left is saying, well, at least we're going to try and make this work in theory. It's going to collapse, but you don't know that. So you may as well. Cause I think people, people fundamentally react to the, a lot, the amount of stress that they have in their lives. And so they are inclined to pursue change like Obama in 2008. So like right now we've got the coronavirus, we've got race riots, we have all sorts of problems. And so people are going to think about that when they go to vote, like, okay, well, Joe Biden might even offer change, which I think is why the left has been like allowing us to propagate for so long is because they know that if people are stressed out, they're disaffected, they're disillusioned with the state of the country, they're going to be inclined to like look for change. And so conservatives need to address the problems that we have in society with an actual solution that, that suggests that change will be made instead of just saying, well, you know, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you just got to figure it out for yourself. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I absolutely agree with that too. And I think this is where one, uh, one thing, anytime I self-identify myself as a conservative, people like freak out. Um, and I tell people, you know, conservatism is really interesting because in a lot of ways it's developed beyond just um, the conservative party of what my parents know to where people are literally just fighting to conserve the basic constitutional rights. I mean, really, truly, it's turned real, it developed into a more inclusive group of people going, holy 
crap. Like they're trying to take away not only our, our, our right to bear arms, but our right to free speech or freedom of religion, et cetera. And so this group has, has developed into this more inclusive group that isn't really even conservative in the traditional sense. Um, and a lot of people don't like that. And, and I tell a lot of conservatives, the mistake that you're making and the reason why we're losing and, and what seems to be the biggest issue is that if you even think about basic economics, if all you do is conserve your resources, you take your seeds and you don't replant them, if you hoard your money and you don't invest it, um, you just end up kind of losing out. And that's even the story of parable in the Bible of uh, when people were given a certain amount of money, the one who invested his money was the one who got the greatest reward. The one who buried his money, he was reprimanded because he didn't do anything with what he had. And a lot of people are so concerned with conserving values that it's like, well, why do you even wanna conserve those values? What are you trying to do with those values? It's like, well, I want to conserve the family. Well, why? What are you going to do with a strong family? Why don't you propose something? Why don't you reestablish those values into ideas that could work for the country? When you're telling people like me, which is fine, I'm able to pay it off. I have over $100,000 in student loans. Well, that just sucks for you. You know, you just signed a bad, a bad loan. And you're like, yes, dude, I did. And I'm paying it off. I'm not going to complain. But also, I genuinely see like with the left when they're coming to 18 year olds going, they're graduating at 22 years old with $100,000 in debt with a, with a degree that the loan companies and the school told them would make them 100 grand, but it doesn't. You're going, well, I get that, that they're frustrated because they're 18, they're freaking morons. There's a reason why they can't buy alcohol or in California, they can't buy cigarettes. And even in some states, there's restrictions on firearms because we realize that there is a moral obligation to treat the people of this country well. And the right comes off to the left. I have a lot of left-wing family as just hard-hearted people who are like, too busy fighting about who's a conservative Puritan to actually really genuinely offer solutions that can help people. And there are real crises, there's student loan crisis, there are real race relation issues. You can't just say, well, all lives matter. It, even if it's true, if people don't feel that way, it, feelings are true. They might not be the ultimate factor, but if, if, you, if what you're saying is, well, facts don't care about your feelings. And it's like, well, unfortunately for you, half of the US population gives a pretty damn strong opinion on their own feelings. So if you choose not to value their feelings, you've just cut off half the country. And that's what we've done, we self-isolated. And we need to get out there and I think have a little more empathy and provide the truth with a little bit of, we have a, we have a humans relations problem and actually say, hey, we wanna help offer the solution too, but it's not through just giant government bailouts, giving out money and just making you dependent on, on, on the government. Yeah, I've been saying that too about getting more emotional. I was, I, I'll be crying after this on, on the podcast <laughs> to really get people to, to know what we're about. But actually, no, I mean, that's a really strong thing. People just caring about facts. I mean, of course, you want to say the right information, but how do you make those facts into an argument that actually, you know, gets down to someone's like, why they would want to change their life? You know, telling someone about a different tax rate isn't going to make them feel too emotional. How do you make those facts into something that actually makes them want to better themselves or better their life or better their family's life? Like you have to get a better marketing strategy in that way. And I think that's something that conservatives can do a lot better. Where can yeah, people... Is... Oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say the left has been very successful at sort of contorting every policy issue into a moral argument. And conservatives mm -hmm. like to cross their arms and be like, well, you shouldn't be doing that. That's not fair. Because we're just like, well, look at this fact. Look at this statistic from the Department of Commerce. And it's like, that's not as compelling. People are emotional beings and we respond to emotion. And that doesn't mean that you have to like sacrifice the truth to your arguments and just like say whatever you think is going to make people happy. But there are ways to rhetorically strategize to make our values and our arguments be compelling to people on an emotional level. John just wanted the last word. It makes sense. <laughs> you know, uh, where can people find you guys if they, if they don't know you already? 
I guess I guess uh, I'm going first now. Am I always going okay. first? All right. <laughs> no, John, you go first. John, you go. Uh, YouTube.com slash John Doyle, Twitter.com slash Comrade Doyle, uh, Instagram, John Doyle.jpg, heckoffcommy.com, you know, all the all the fun stuff. I like at least you have a good name. I think your name actually has become less associated with like Lennon and more as it sounds like a satire to me now because I literally I don't know if you predicted we started your show that everyone would unironically be calling themselves comrades in the streets of our country because that's literally yeah no the, the idea behind it was I was looking at this and I was like there's sort of like a second red scare isn't it well I'm going to tell the commies to heck off and then you know here type slightly offensive anywhere else where you can find content um and find out what God has been sparing you from for this long <laughs> So that's a good, that's, that's all I can say. And that's, that's even underselling the, the, how bad it is. He's very humble, but his show is very good. And he's had me on a few times. And when I, we're, I'm working on my new mini documentary right now, which we just got a, a very rough cut. I hope to come back on the show, Elijah. Oh yeah, I'll have you back on because sometimes I wonder, is there any way to make this show worse than it already is? And then yes, put me like, on. Why did I make Will? <laughs> <laughs> put me on the show. Let's drop those ratings to zero. Give you a... Uh, you deleted off youtube thank you guys yeah, so much man. for joining guys check them out on their different social media platforms check out their shows uh their shows that aren't as good as mine but thank you guys again for having me on or being, <laughs> for being <laughs> hey thanks for, for coming being on, on. You. yeah I will this has been another episode of the will wit live <laughs> thank you elijah all right peace okay guys hope you enjoyed that that was fun huh about what was that about half an hour discussion between me, John, and Elijah, that was, those are the first time I've had guests on the show. So it was fun for me. I had to, you know, obviously pre-record the interview because the time that we tried to do a live interview on here, if anyone remembers episode eight, oh, we remember Taylor wasn't here. And I leave uh, for one week and it just falls apart. One week Taylor leaves and then it all, it all falls to crap. So um, this is why I pre-record the interviews and then put them up in the podcast. I did this, what, about three hours ago, filmed this. So anyway, it was fun. Before we get into the next topic that we're going to talk about today, remember to drop your questions down below for me for the end of the show in about 10 minutes, actually. That'll be the end of the show. Excuse me. And remember, if you want to make a donation to PragerU to help keep our videos free, you can go to PragerU.com slash donate because we are matching all donations this month. Matching all donations this month. So you give $5, we'll have a donor match $5 as well. So it really helps us out. Keep our videos free. Please go to PragerU.com slash donate to help us out. I saw a question on the on the podcast from a guy. I think his name was Boston Groiper. I wanted to answer this question. Um, it was a question about a guy named Vidare being censored off of YouTube and, and what I thought about that. Obviously, we couldn't answer that question during a pre-recorded conversation, obviously. But I saw your thing and, I, and I, I've seen other people ask me this and, and all over Twitter and everything. And so I just want to say, first of all, I don't know what this person ever posted on their channel. So I can't say that I support whatever they did. You know, because YouTube does ban things that are considered violence, things that are considered pornography, um, threatening towards people, which, you know, think those are the exact same things that go against the, the First Amendment in the sense, you know, if you say something violent towards someone, you say something threatening someone, that is not allowed. So, again, I can't say what this channel had on it. If it had anything like that, if it did, then it should be shut down for a reason because that obviously goes against determined standards. But let's say... For argument's sake, that it didn't have anything like that, just like any other channel that gets banned off of YouTube, off of any social media platform, I believe every single person should have the right to be able to say what they want to say, no matter what. I mean, 
Look at the, um, what is the, what is the organization, Taylor? The 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 lawsuit organization. Um, uh, it's not the NAACP. What is it? Seven Poverty Law Center. No, no, no. It's the they fight for free speech, or they did fight for free speech. ACLU. ACLU. <laughs> the ACLU. Back in the day, the ACLU. You know, they were an organization that actually had a backbone. Now all I see, they tweet every single day. It's just like, um, men with wombs are women or something like that like every single thing they post i see is like some trans thing anyway the aclu used to fight for free speech i mean in the 1970s there were literal nazis marching in a jewish neighborhood and of course that's a terrible thing to do but in terms of the first amendment these people had the right to be there and the aclu defended these people for having their right to be able to speak their mind as long as they're not threatening anyone or being violent right i'm someone who believes in in free speech i believe that anyone, no matter what your views, you should be able to have the ability to say your views. And again, it was like what I was talking about last week on the podcast, where I talked about how, you know, you go on a social media platform and you see what people are saying on the platform and you say, oh, you know, I have the, I agree with this or I don't agree with this. It's like, yeah, that's the point. You should be able to go and search out information or find something of someone you don't disagree, you don't agree with or you disagree with whatever and you should be able to make your own decision off of that information. I mean, I don't know how many times I have to say this. That is what America is about. It is about people being able to speak their mind. As long as you are not threatening someone, being violent, posting something disgusting, uh, as in pornographic or something like that, you should be able to have a platform to speak and say your mind. So that's my answer to that question because I know lots of people keep asking me that, but I think everyone should have the right to be able to say what they want to say as long as it falls under the parameters of the First Amendment. I think that that's a, a pretty fair thing. I know that there are conservatives and Republicans and, I mean, obviously leftist people out there who don't stand for that. I am someone who definitely stands for the First Amendment in every sense that it is fair. Anyway, okay. We already talked about the left people destroying the cities. We already seen that. We talked about crime going up. I mean, it's just been absolutely horrible what has been happening. But I did want to talk about college football. Let's talk about college football. So Taylor actually... He went to a big school with a very big football team. Are you comfortable with saying your school or no? I didn't want to say it if you're not. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Louisiana State University, LSU Tigers, Louis- world champions. Yeah. It's Haven't a- lost a game in like 600-something days now. So <laughs> still on top of the world. No, that's pretty cool. I, uh, I spoke at LSU last year, which was very cool. Uh, I really like it. New Orleans is a – or it's not New Orleans, but I stayed in New Orleans for a night. Went uh, out in uh, – what is the street? Bourbon Street? Bourbon Street. Yeah, yeah. It was just fun. You know, it was a good time. And then went to New Orleans or Baton Rouge the next day and spoke. So it's a, it's a great city. I love Louisiana. Um, or it's a great state. I love Louisiana. And I don't know why we're getting so into this. Anyway, what I'm saying is that college football is canceled. Not all of it, but the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten schools are canceling college football this year because of the coronavirus. You know, some people are saying, oh, well, maybe in the spring it'll come back. I don't really think that's going to be the case um but college football with the big 10 and the pac 12 are canceled this year and to me that is a horrible thing that they would do this i mean everyone is so scared they're so up in arms over this virus that they're going to cancel college football because of this i mean these people are i first of all i'm i don't know what's going to happen with the scholarships for these students who are who got the scholarships to play football and now they're not being able to play. What are they supposed to do? And then think about all of the the people who depend on college football for a living. You know, the people who sell the snacks at the stadiums, the people who work at the stadiums, the coaches, the 
um, what's it called? The sports journalists, the people on TV who commentate it. I mean, there's tons of people who rely on this for an income and you getting rid of it for a virus that I would say is not nearly as deadly as the mainstream media wants to tell you is that it is, is just absolutely ludicrous to me. I mean, they're shutting the whole... I'm just so upset. It's so the frustrating thing about this whole thing is that I feel so powerless when it comes to to COVID because it's like you can look at the data. You can look at the data over and over again, the CDC data. You can look at what some doctors are saying, all sorts of things, and you can see the truth right there. It's right there for you to see. And still, people are so upset over it. People are so scared about everything. And it's like, I feel so powerless that I can't do literally anything about it, except for like educate people on it. But, you know, the people, for the most part, sorry, you guys, I don't mean to diminish you by saying this, but for the most part, the people who are watching my show or any of my videos or stuff are not necessarily the people in charge making these huge decisions. I don't know if, if you know, President Trump is like, oh, did you catch Will Witt live last week? I guess we got to open up the country, you know, I... <laughs> As much as I wish he would do that. Trump, if you're seeing this, please uh, retweet. Anyway, um, but yeah, so it's like you feel super powerless that there's like nothing that we can do about this and people's livelihoods are being destroyed. I mean, I saw the statistic the other day that it was like 75% of retail stores in Los Angeles are closed and like 50% of all retail stores are not going to even be able to reopen in Los Angeles because of this pandemic. Right. The pandemic is killing more people than the actual viruses, in my opinion. I think that's definitely the truth. And so it's very frustrating to see that there is actually nothing that we can do about it. Clay Travis had a, a good tweet. He said, it is brave to find a way to play in the face of danger. It is brave to acknowledge risk and overcome it. It is not brave to see risk and refuse to ever confront it. Instead of this goes, I don't even need to bring this up. I'm talking about my mini documentary a little bit, but it's, it's not important. It's like you could be looking for practical solutions to make it more safe for people to be able to play the sport, right? You make it so that the players get a test before they go and play or they get a, you know, they do a temperature test, temperature temperature test, whatever it might be before they go and play. You don't you have different kind of capacities that you can have in the stands, but you can still have most of the people be able to to freely have the sport played. But instead of looking for practical solutions for these kind of things, they just say, nope, we're shutting it all down and there's not going to be any second thought about it. And that's just what's going to happen. And you, there's literally nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to save your job if you depend on it. That's just how it is. That's just it. And so yeah, it's like instead of looking for solutions, we just look for the easiest way out because they're scared. They're scared of the mob coming after them. They're scared of people coming and saying, you're killing kids by keeping it, by keeping college football open. They're too scared of that. They're too scared to stand up that they're willing to just shut it all down with no practical solution that they're going to put in place. So I think there's going to be a huge blowback from this. I mean, Taylor and I were talking about this before about what this is like, that the colleges are if it's with the scholarships, they're going to be giving out scholarships to the, the students who aren't going to be playing. So the schools aren't going to be making any money, but they still have to give the scholarships out. And then less people are going to go to college as well because of the pandemic. So how are they going to be able to do any of this? I mean, it's going to, excuse me, erupt into a, a huge deal, I can imagine. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's super sad. 
Um, I'm guessing that this will happen with a lot more college sports. This won't be the last time we hear about coronavirus canceling college sports in the future. So just get ready. My favorite sport, disc golf. I'm sure they're going to cancel the, the playing on that, which is a really sad thing. If they cancel college badminton, that's, that's right. That's, that, that crosses the line. Okay, can we get into some of the questions? Did you guys ask questions today? I would love to, to answer some of your guys' questions. Wow, Nancy. Nancy, I, I look at the comments. I can't, I don't know your name. I mean, I know that it's Nancy, but I don't know how to say your last name. And I saw you commented about your name. Is it Hotchdurfer? Nancy Hotchdurfer? Is that how you say it, Nancy? If I'm wrong, please let me know if I'm wrong. But I'm going to say Nancy Hotchdurfer. Question for Will. Do you choose your own bandanas? Yes, I do. You, most people say, wow, Will, how could you? You must have a stylist. You must have a, a team of people come and style you before your podcast every day, right? You look so good. And I say, no, you know, I, I do this myself. People think that I have a team of people, but no, it's just just me. She also said, I played badminton for the first time the other day, and you have never been more right in your life. That game is far superior to other sports. Thank you, Nancy. I know. It's the best sport there is, badminton. I love badminton. Monica Z said, can the left-wing liberals actually participate in logical thought processes? Monica, I don't mean to be rude to you by saying this, but these kinds of questions aren't helping anyone when we ask them. It, it makes it seem like, like that they're doing everything that they do because they're stupid or they can't think. These people aren't stupid. The left is not stupid. They're misguided. They're misinformed. When I go on my college campus interviews and I talk to people, I'm not, you know, I don't think that these students are stupid. I mean, of course, there are some things that are just absolutely ridiculous. And you're like, okay, that's insane. But for the most part, they're just miseducated. They're misinformed. They're brainwashed by the left, you know? So I think that many of these people can participate in logical thought processes. I think 99% of them can if they just get the proper tools. That's why it's so important that PragerU doesn't get censored. This is why they want to censor PragerU because we are that tool. We are that tool to get to people to actually make them change their minds. I mean, I was someone who was more liberal before and then changed my mind, you know? So I don't know necessarily. I don't, I, I don't really like that question because it makes it seem like we're all thinking they're all stupid. And I don't think that's fair to say. I think we should say that they are brainwashed and that we want to actually, you know, bring them over to, to our side, not necessarily just um, try and beat them like that. Um, okay. Madison P. Question for Will. How can I get my voice heard more? I share my opinions on Instagram, but I want to do more. Also, hi from California. Hi, Madison from California. Nice to see you. You have to keep speaking out, which is very important, but you should join PragerForce. If you're a student, you should join PragerForce, which is our student program, because PragerForce gives you the tools so that you can actually speak out. Taylor, if you want to put the PragerForce in the chats right now so that people can click the link there to go and apply. If you're a student, middle school, high school, college, um, post-grad, you know, just out of college, uh, we would love to have you in Prager Force. We're almost 10,000 strong people across the world. You get digital marketing experience. You get to work with me. We have retreats. We have different uh, influencer programs. I mean, there's so much you can do with Prager Force to learn the skills of how to get your voice heard more, you know, how to build your audience and get more people to hear you. But just keep speaking out with what you're doing until you join Prager Force. I mean, it's super important. I say this every time how important it is to speak out. Uh, Jerry Martin. 771 
from Oklahoma said, is social media mostly to blame for the rise of radical power causing a shift in acceptable beliefs and behavior? Seems like it's the dino DNA from Jurassic Park. Discovered too soon. That's a good uh, analogy. I like your analogy. I actually just watched Jurassic Park 2, Lost World, a few days ago. It's not nearly as good. The first one's like way better. The other ones kind of suck. Anyway, yes, I do think it is. If you guys were here for this entire podcast today, you would have heard me talk about Nietzsche before, about slave morality, herd morality. The, 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 the herd attacks the good and the successful through guilt. Okay, they're mediocrity. They're mediocre people who attack the successful people. And so they do this because they're not happy with their own lives. So they attack the good. They attack the successful people to make themselves feel better about themselves, to try and make it so that everybody's equal, because the people who are powerful and successful aren't good people. Only if you're weak and meager, that, that's when you're a good person. That's the kind of morality that the herd tries to put on people, right? And I think that's very telling. And so we see that in social media with this, this herd mentality where they're coming on, they see people who are successful, who do things that are against the herd, who are trying to separate themselves, and they put them down. And they say, that is not acceptable. They say, that is bad. You need to be mediocre like us. And I think that that is what is driving people. They're mediocrity. Most people are lazy. Most people aren't willing to take the steps necessary to, to reach their higher self, to be a better person, to live out their dreams, to do the things that they want to actually do. So they remain mediocre. They remain lazy. And then when other people are trying to rise up out of that and be better, they put them down because they don't want to see other people rise up higher than them. They don't want to see other people being successful, being more powerful than them. So they shame them. They guilt them, and they do this through cancel culture. They do this through social media mobs. They do this all over. This is what the left does. This is what the herd does. This is what the mob does. This is slave morality. Is slave morality. So, yeah, social media is not good for that. Trini said, Hi, Will. Would you consider going to high schools to talk with students there about some of the topics you cover at college level? Yes, the last time I went to a college or high school campus was... This is actually a horrible story. You guys can see how left the to how tolerant the left is here. I was going to speak at a high school in Park City, Utah, and I went to the school. I was there about a few hours before, and then some kid who was a leftist who heard that I was speaking on campus, he took bear spray, and he sprayed it into the vents of the school, and it poisoned kids at the school. They did that. This kid did that so it would cancel my event. He literally poisoned kids at the school. And I'll, you think colleges are bad. Liz, what happened in a high school in Utah, which is a pretty conservative state, you know, for the most part. You know, Park City is a little bit different. But anyway, that's like a horrible thing that this student did. That was the last time I spoke at a high school. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's a little tangent. But I would love to speak at more high schools. But, you know, high schools aren't even in session. L.A. is canceling all schools now. Um, San Diego doing the same. I'm sure tons of other school districts. I mean, back home, my sister is a school teacher and they're canceling her school as well. So for the, at least the first semester, she do, she's doing everything on Zoom. I mean, students should be able to go back to school. I mean, that's just, it's absolutely ridiculous that kids can't go to school. I was, some guy, I posted this yesterday or two days ago, something I posted on Twitter. Remember, follow me on Twitter at the Will Wet. I posted on Twitter. I said, you know, how come kids can't go back to school, but we allow the elderly who are way more susceptible to this virus, be able to go to grocery stores and all sorts of places where they're on airplanes, where they're in contact with tons of people. We let them do that, but we can't let kids go back to school. What is that? 
You know, and someone commented back, they said, well, this seven-year-old just died in Georgia. And I was like, yeah, that's incredibly sad. But go to the Georgia Public Department of Health website and tell me how many people under the age of 17 have died from coronavirus in Georgia. Can you guys guess? I'll give you a second. Put your comments in the in the comment section below. How many people under 17 have died in Georgia? Is two people. Two people who are under the age of 17 have died in Georgia because of the coronavirus. Is that a national pandemic? Is that that, that we should close down every single school in Georgia because two children have died? Of course, the two deaths are sad. But that doesn't mean we shut down our entire economy, our entire school system because of that. You know, I'm I'm a big advocate of, of getting the kids back to school. I think they should get back to school, even though many public schools are indoctrination centers in a lot of ways. I still think that the costs outweigh the, the losses because, I mean, think about a child staying at home every single day. He's losing out on social skills. He's losing out on interacting with teachers, on, on actual learning. They're not learning well on Zoom at all. You know, school, it, yes, public schools and things are in a lot of ways, they're indoctrinating your, your youth. I've said this a, a million times. I'll say it a million more. It's definitely true. But that's not the only thing they're learning at school, okay? They're also learning how to write, how to do math, how, what is science, you know, all sorts of things that aren't just leftist brainwashing. I mean, they need to go back to school. The students need to go back to school immediately or we're going to see, I don't even know what we're going to see, but it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Students should go back to school. <sighs> okay. Claire Jones said, where's your Hawaiian shirt? Is it cold there today? It's not cold, but I'm getting on a flight and I didn't want to wear. This is why it had to be earlier today because I'm getting on a flight. I'm going to a buddy's wedding. So uh, actually someone at PragerU is getting married. The head graphic designer, Alex, is getting married. And I'm going to his wedding. I'm one of the groomsmen. It's very exciting stuff. So uh, that's why. Well, I don't know if that has anything to do with me wearing a Hawaiian shirt or not. But regardless. Um, yeah. Oh, Nancy said, Hotch Hochterfer. Thank you, Nancy. I appreciate it. Okay, guys, that's where I'm going to end the show because I just looked at the time and I do have to go get on this flight very soon. So, guys, I really appreciate you tuning in. Remember, PragerU.com slash donate to help us out so that we can continue to reach more people and that uh, all donations are being matched this month. And remember, follow me and PragerU on social media. Go to Apple Podcasts, give this five stars, and write a nice comment. I read all of them. And that's about it today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week at 3 o'clock as well. Next week is at 3 o'clock PST as well because I'm speaking at a rally with some doctors about coronavirus and opening up the schools. So, um, But I hopefully will be live streaming that as well. So um, you can get two lives from me in one day. But we'll it live 3 o'clock next week and doctors rally 5 p.m. PST next week. All right, guys. Thank you so much. See you next week. Peace.